Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Mark chapter 16, commencing at verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Amen. Commissioner Don has given me the privilege of doing something on a Thursday that I've always longed for. Talk about the resurrection. (laughs) Seems a bit premature, doesn't it? Just a little But I admit I have not been a Thursday, Friday, Saturday person because I know that I'm a Resurrection Sunday person. I know the end of the story, or at least up to that point. So it's a pleasure today to share with you. Now, at the risk of repeating myself, I want to remind you of some words that a mother shouted across the household to a young boy who had his face pressed against the window pane, looking out the window on a dark, rainy Edinburgh evening. She said to him, What on earth are you trying to see out there? And the young lad responded, I am watching a man punching holes in the darkness. You'll all recognize that particular little scenario as Robert Louis Stevenson watching the lamp lighter make his way, climb up, light the lamp, creating another big hole in the darkness. Rosie and I travel a bit. We stay, <laughs> we stay in hotels all around the world, and there is an aha moment when you step into the hotel room. I conjecture that we look for different things. First thing I look for is a casual glance towards the coffee provision. The second is that I check out the curtains. Will they block out the light so that sleeping can take place in total darkness. Now, while I'm doing that, Rosalie, on the contrary, is checking to see where the light switches are so that there's no bodily injury when it's needful to move around in the darkness of the room. I went right back to the creation story in Genesis chapter 114, where God separated day and night. Uh, And from that moment onward, it's my view that there is an ebb and flow of creation 
that sets a rhythm to life of night and day. Often we've referred to a darkness that hides, whereas we refer to a light that reveals. A darkness that sometimes frightens, whereas the light has a way of bringing comfort. We've spiritualized this to also think of a spiritual darkness, a dim and dismal place spiritually, whereas when one sees the light of God, there is a release and it denotes freedom and release. John's gospel at its beginning in 1 verses 4 and 5 says, In him was life, and life, that life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Whenever I think of the light of the world, I can find myself in a little bit of a Christmas context. But that would be like reading the, the first chapter of the book and, and never getting to the end of the story, if you like. And to get there, you have to travel through some of the darkest and very deeply dark days of the Easter story. Yet the Easter story, despite moments of tragedy and betrayal, pitch black moments, and moments that parallel themselves in astounding contrast to the ending of the story, the light of God, it's almost amazing. I would say I want to move away from the word light altogether and get to something that's perhaps a little bit more embracing, that of illumination, that God's coming into the world in this way illuminates. It's active. It, it sheds its beams. It, it pervades the darkness and, and dispels it. I don't know if Psalm 119 and verse 105 was intended to be a prophetic word. Might I suggest it could be. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I love the before and after story of Easter, that dimension of it. Uh, I agonize with some of the imagery of uh, the Easter story in Matthew 27 and 45. If you follow the timeline from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, uh, darkness came over the land. Shouldn't have been happening at that time of the day, but darkness came over the land. And many commentators are quick to point out that this needs to be linked with the words of Jesus where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the after picture of the Easter story, of course, is in Matthew's gospel, still 28 and 6. And on the women that came to the tomb, he is not here, he is risen. I believe the point that's trying to be made here is the fact that when there is the absence of God, particularly spiritually speaking, there is a pervading reality of darkness. V 
viewed and seen in our world today and in people who struggle with no faith at all, therefore spiritual darkness. There's, there's a void of awareness of light, of illumination, and often folks are troubled, are chased by doubt, disillusionment, and discouragement. I recently spoke to our International Theological Council, and then a week later I spoke to the International Moral and Social Issues Council. They advised the General and the Salvation Army on matters theological, ethical, and moral. I suggested to them that a part of their responsibility is to enter into dark rooms where we don't have things all figured out and not all of the illumination has come. And they help us to go into theological dialogue, moral and ethical dialogue, and they reach into the darkness and they find the light switches, turn them on, so that we can have a reflection and understanding of difficult and challenging realities. God has literally enlightened us, illumined us. I love God's narrative. I know there are times in this narrative when it may seem like any other story, but you can't subtract from this narrative the, the miraculous. And that's what's beautiful about it. There's something miraculous about Ten Commandments on, on stone tablets. There's something miraculous about what happened when you got Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea in front of you. There's something miraculous in that moment. There's something miraculous about promises made and promises kept. There's something miraculous about God showing up just at the right time. There's something miraculous about the celestial reality of the Bethlehem story. There's something miraculous about Easter. Miraculous. The resurrection light has shined into the darkness. Question on that morning, who is going to roll away the stone? Our perception being that that stone was beyond human capacity to simply move it out of the way. Matthew 28, 2 and 3, there was a violent earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and almost deliberately, defiantly sat on it. How dare that angel do that? You see, what's happening here is the miraculous. God is re-entering our story, our journey. God is re-entering and bringing not only a stone and laying it in its proper place, but he is bringing this illumination that so far to the dimension that it's being provided, unknown to the world. His appearance, the angels, was like lightning, his clothes as white as the snow. The message, he is not here. He is risen. Jesus proclaimed himself, I am the light of the world. I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I am the resurrection and the life.
<laughs> I believe, personally, Brian, I believe that the Almighty who sometimes chooses to thunder across the heavens to make his voice heard and sometimes comes in the quietest whisper has, through the Easter story, punched the biggest hole in the darkness that you could possibly imagine. I believe it would be short-sighted of any of us to not see in that story the implications for us personally. And I would dare you today to be careful and not miss its significance. Jesus is king. The light has come. God bless you.